I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we've been continuing our conversation, looking at how the pandemic and COVID 19 has impacted education across the board, uh, we've been of particular interest in what's happening in terms of higher education and uh, what's going on there. And uh, fortunately, I, I reached out late this morning, uh, and uh, timing was great. Uh, we were able to get Scott Pulsifer, uh, who is the president of Western Governors University, uh, just one of the most innovative places you can go uh, that is really out in front. I think we may have been the best uh, program designed for a pandemic uh, at Western Governors University. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Boyd, it's great to be with you. Thank you for that kind intro. Oh, well, you uh, you are doing some great things there at Western Governors University. And as I said, you're, you're really out in front on so many things. Uh, but I wanted to get your perspective today on what has the pandemic done? What have you learned or how has it expanded your vision? Uh, many uh, higher education uh, organizations are saying, oh, hey, we've learned this, we've learned that. Uh, you were kind of ahead of the curve. So now what have you learned and where does that push you next? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, one of the things that's probably probably broadly evident is that while we may have not been designed for a pandemic, it surely is uh, uh, heightening or emphasizing many of the differentiators that we have. Uh, and I think one thing maybe just simply to start with is that if you look across many sectors, whether it's uh, education or retail or even healthcare and others, the pandemic is definitely emphasizing the strength and value of a technology first mindset. Mm. You know, how do we really leverage technology to advance the interactions, the engagements, the uh, the value proposition that so many of the uh, the experiences that we have in our everyday life, and and whether that's in shopping or whether that's even accessing medical care and attention or whether that's the online banking, uh, the those same influences are absolutely true within education and. And when you don't have the luxury of being in person, you start to recognize that, uh, that there are many ways to have a more technology-led thinking and model that can really advance uh, access and quality of learning as well. And so this, uh, this scenario, or at least the uh, COVID, is providing a catalyst for the uh, digital first thinking going forward. And how do we leverage all of the strengths and capabilities that a digital first mindset can do in terms of enabling really what we would call a student-centered design. Mm-hmm. How do you de- how do you design for a more flexible and personalized learning? How do you design for more real-time and effective faculty interaction with students rather than just content delivered as a recorded lecture? You know, how do you think about uh, providing prompts and interventions even to faculty to so so that they can reach out in a timely manner to help every single student who's who's trying to uh, access learning to better their lives. Uh, the one other thing maybe just as a preface to, to, to continue the conversation is what we recognize, too, is that education is going to be vitally important for many of the millions of individuals now who have been displaced because their prior job is currently on hiatus, uh, uh-huh. and many of those jobs may not be able to go back to. Right. And so upskilling 
And reskilling is now more a part of the narrative than ever before. And so what is the role of higher education in that and making it possible for even those that are in their middle skill or 30s and 40s and acquiring the skills and capabilities they need for their next opportunity? Uh, I think that's so vital. And uh, we've we've posted on our uh, on our KSL Insight Sources Facebook page a a piece you wrote for Forbes magazine uh, back in June. I encourage all of our listeners to go give this a read. Uh, the title itself is uh, is very compelling. Forget Bitcoin. Skills are the currency of the future. Uh, and the thing I'd love to have you weigh in on, Scott, is uh, you had this great framing of, of getting employers. You talk about this partnership between higher education and employers. Uh, and you talk about it in the context of skills and, and how it would take employers out of the human capital management business. And put them in, yeah. and I love this, put them in the human potential business, the continuous process of learning and, and developing capability. Yeah, the one thing we certainly believe in is that uh, life is in many ways like a ladder. Uh, it is expected to be one of progress, of continual progress, is that uh, you know the first opportunity that one has is not going to be the last opportunity that one has, and, and that we expect that many individuals have to traverse an ever-increasing and expanding scope of capability and, and associated responsibility. And so that model really portends the need for more of a skills-based context. And what we, what that we really mean by that is, is that instead of simply a degree as the only value that we have in terms of signal, signaling to the market as to something that I've completed, what increasingly is important is really not only the knowledge that you possess, but what are you able to do with that knowledge? And so where are you competent? What are the capabilities that you actually have demonstrated proficiency in? And there's simply this recognition that those skills and competencies, if you will, can be acquired through multiple different pathways. It's not only a degree. And so it's degree and others. And so a skills-based future really allows individuals to continually uh, improve themselves, quite frankly. And as they improve themselves, they're acquiring new capability and capacity to, you know, to do things, and that uh, affords them new opportunities. And the future is going to be one where employers are better able at defining those skills and competencies needed in the role. And it's more about whether an individual possesses them, not how they acquire them. They could have gone to uh, a college. They could have gone uh, to an apprenticeship or paid internship. They could have even received it or acquired it through employer-provided training. So this skills-based model is much more aligned with the future of work. It's more equitable uh, because it's not about how you acquire them. It's about whether you possess them. And so I think it's really going to shape how we think about the uh, the human potential, if you will, for the future, is that we're always improving our capacity for uh, for uh, for delivering value. Yeah, oh, and, and I love that. It's it's not how or where you acquired them, it's that you actually possess them. Uh, and, and I think that's important. And this is clearly, uh, from, from your perspective and your governing philosophy, this is not a, a skills versus degree battle. Uh, it's really creating space and developing what I've always said is the most important thing could take out of any learning experience, and that is learning how to learn, the discipline of it, how you develop those skills and competencies, and but more importantly is the love of it because it's going to be that lifelong learning lifelong skills acquisition that will probably be the differentiator for a lot of folks in their careers moving forward 
Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. And that also factors into our vision even at WGU is that it's not about only an individual's first opportunity. It's also about their next opportunity. And so how do we shape the future of WGU's offering, uh, both the credentials that we offer, the access, <clears throat> and the individuals that we serve? You know, we have to think about those who are also seeking the new opportunities in their pathway and along their ladder of life, if you will. And so that's where you see WGU. We've invested more in even micro-credentials with our medical coding, medical assistant offering. We also have partnered with edX in introducing our IT framework certification and credential. The ability to acquire uh, the ongoing learning that's necessary for an individual to continually progress through their life. And it isn't a degree or skill. Right. In fact, a skills-based future really allows even degrees to be better articulated in the context of what employers in the workforce need. Mm. Whereas today, it's a rather imperfect signaling. You know, if you, if you doubt right. it, just think of all those really intensive interviewing things, that interviewing processes that employers have to try to assess whether or not the <laughs> graduates are ready for the work that they yeah. need them to do. And so... Yeah. Great, great stuff. Scott Pulsifer, president of Western Governors University, uh, doing some great innovation skills uh, and really preparing everyone for the future in a in a unique way. And again, I encourage everyone to go read uh, his article from Forbes magazine on our uh, Facebook page today as well. Scott, thanks for carving out time for us. Great insight. Uh, appreciate your leadership and innovation when it comes to learning and skills development. Thank you so much, Boyd. Have a great day. All right. We're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. Our good friend James Walner is going to join us. Weighing in, what's going on in Congress? Can they get anything done? We'll find out next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.